This is an Area Code podcast. This is for you. Knock me right off of my feet. And explain why your loving makes me weak. (laughs) Was that the delay? (laughs) I was doing a manual delay. (laughs) That did. That was good. That was good. That was good. I'm Ashley Whitehurst, and I've been performing and directing and teaching and producing improv and sketch comedy for almost 15 years. I think poop jokes are funny. I'm Felicia McLeod, an improviser, writer, voiceover actress, and just started reading tarot cards. Hit your girl up. Hi, my name is Steve Hahn. I'm an improviser, on-camera actor, and director, and my estranged father has tried to connect with me on LinkedIn before. Hi, Kevin. Hello, and welcome back to Comedy Has an Ouchie. I am Ashley. I'm Felicia. Me amo Steve. Oh, Steve is speaking Spanish, but he should be speaking Korean because he's got to memorize those lines. I do. I do have a, a big a big Korean audition. <laughs> I do. That is true. Yes. Can I ask a question? Are these stage directions in Korean or English? My lines are in Korean, but the stage directions are all in English. And then the, oh. English, transla- the English translation is right behind them just in case I... Um, were to read with someone that wanted to do, like read with me in English because they don't know Korean. How was uh, how are your weeks, you guys? Anything big happened this week? Um, I had a birthday a week ago. That's right, yes. you did, Steve. That's did right. You sound so much older. You do sound older. I, I now round up to thirty. I was super excited for thirty three, my Jesus mm. year. Jesus year. I spent that all in quarantine. So now that I've stepped out of it, <laughs> I feel like it's only uphill from here. It has to be. Well, you didn't get crucified, so that's good, right? True. That's yeah. true. You were a martyr. <laughs> you were not 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 this year. Hey, maybe next year. I don't know. Because isn't oh wait, no, wait. 27 is the big year that I'm I'll nervous like the about stars. 27. Yeah. Why? Like, What's happening at 27? Rock star year. It's the year that a lot that's of like rock Jimmy stars Morrison, die. Janis Joplin, <gasps> Jimi Hendrix, Amy Winehouse. Uh, that's the year they all die. I thought you were talking about 2027, and I was like, oh no, what are we? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Steve has been in the future. <laughs> he that was his gift for uh, his birthday. He got to go to the future. <laughs> Tell us what future. you saw, Steve. Oh my God, you guys. In 2027. Who's president? Uh, uh, Christina Aguilera. Yes, that feels right. I did not vote for her. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay, let's focus here. So we are going to talk about... Yes. Creativity in the service of capitalism. Freedom versus feeding the machine. Mm. (laughs) Basically, um, have we been truly creating freely or is it in the service of capitalism, like making money, serving the general public? Do we feel like we are tied to the machine or do we feel like we truly have freedom is what's happened with our comedy institutions reflections of the failures of capitalism it's going to get real like socialists in here mm. i'm probably going to drop aoc a few times i'm sure um our god who we love <laughs> who, we, who love. we love oh my god you guys man, she's amazing <laughs> yeah let's jump in to our first segment which is you know we call level two what's really going on here wide on a specific issue. And this felt like a really good time to talk about this because if you're listening to this in the future, this is the week that the entire GameStop stock kerfuffle thing happened with Wall Street. And there's been a really interesting conversation being had about 
well, who gets to play, who gets to play by the rules that have been set. And once people figure out the rules and they learn to play those rules, who, who has the power to change them? And we've seen it sort of on full display, which I think maps very well over our, our conversations we've been having about comedy, about rule setting and who we're serving. And are we truly creating to the best of our, I guess, abilities or like in, in like creating what we want. Mm -hmm. So I'm eager to hear your thoughts. Uh, I know we've been texting a little bit this week, so I'm eager to hear what you what you all think about about this stuff. Well, Felicia, what did you think of the whole GameStop thing? Were you laughing? Were you crying? Were you annoyed? <laughs> Were you ignoring it? I'm glad I had stock in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just think it's so interesting because for the longest we've been saying a lot of these things aren't real. A lot of these things are mm. not built to uplift everybody. Um, and now people are starting to finally realize it and be mm -hmm. outraged by it. So I'm like, bitch, I've been upset. Like, I've been upset. I, I knew everything was yeah. built on bullshit. If you stay upset, you don't got to get upset. Okay. <laughs> I'm okay. already at a don't 10. Get it, don't get it twisted. Yeah, 100%. If you get up, you don't have to get down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Gotta, gotta get up to get down. <laughs> yeah, um, I agree. The economy is completely a social construct. Isn't that crazy? Isn't it crazy yeah. that the economy is a social construct? Yeah. And yeah, hundred percent. So built stupid. built on a foundation of 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 rules made by people in charge at the time that um, we are we are all still playing by. Yeah, it's so 100%. stupid. I think that the issue at hand that we're 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 facing with is that uh, I so I when I went to Chicago, I, a lot of my classmates, a lot of my friends ended up going to work on Wall Street. Like a lot of them, a lot, almost mm. all of them, and. Like my school in, in and of itself, I think like education is a really good look into like how evil capitalism can be. Because mm -hmm. like I went, mm. to a, I went to a private school. UChicago mm -hmm. is the most expensive school in the country. Um, I don't know why like these Ivy League plus schools need to be this expensive because I don't mm. really know what I'm getting from it. That another college I, I couldn't get from another college. But currently at UChicago, I think it costs $83,000 a year to go. A year. Um, and the crazy, so when I went, it was like 70 something thousand. So like, it's been going up every year. But when um, I, I used to work in the admissions office, guess what percentage of students were on financial aid? Like guess what, what the percentage was that was, that needed to be on some form. Just like, even if it's a tiny amount, guess what percentage of students needed to be on financial aid? 90%. No. Too high. I went too high. 12. Yeah. No, that's too low. <laughs> 52. This is like actually, a stock market. We're just actually, guessing in random numbers. If you if you average your two answers, it's kind of close. Um, so 40% of students, only 40% of students needed to be on financial aid, which means that 60% of students did not need to be on financial aid, which means that their families could easily afford 80, 70 something thousand dollars a year for their students. When I got to Chicago, it was just the wealth. My room, my first year roommate was a prince of Dubai and he like threw away his iPad one time because there was a tiny chip on the back, like not on the screen mm. where you could put a case on Same. it and you wouldn't see it. Anyway, things like, you know what I mean? You just like see these crazy wealthy people and I never like knew at the time, but it is just like this thing where like out of college too, people would graduate from my college and their first paying like, I mean, myself included in terms of like the, like my, my first finance job I got out of college was pretty well paying, but you know, it's really easy for a kid from my school to graduate college and make a, a six figure salary right out of graduating. Like probably like, I think the average income for like a finance person graduating from Chicago, going into a finance job was probably if I had to guess 90 K a year, um, just like that's the first job that they made. And it's just crazy because 
this system of like capitalism that continuously suppresses and oppresses like poor mostly populations of color and like allows access for like you know white people generally or like well-to-do asian people or whatnot i think about this a lot in terms of um you know relating it back to comedy and like our access to taking classes at Second City and IO and all these places mm-hmm. and moving to Chicago at some point. We all moved here at some point. I also went to a very expensive college. I was on a shit ton of like financial aid, you know, student loans out the butt. But I went to school with kids who uh, all went to boarding schools growing up, had been on their own basically since they were five because their parents shuffled them off to New England boarding schools, which are some of the Andover, most Andover, Exeter. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those were all my classmates. Uh, and here I am like driving like a, you know, 1999 Dodge Stratus to school. So I think about this in terms of, and I am by no means saying that I have had more struggle than a lot of people that we we have been talking about and having conversations with. But I came out of school with, you know, $85,000 in debt. I took a really low paying job because I was an English major. Like, what are you, you know, what are you going to do? And what happens is my, my payment every month was like $600, $700 for student loans. I was living in Northern Virginia, right outside of DC, which is one of the most expensive places to live. It's a lot of government workers. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a snowball effect because once you, once you get stuck in like something like that, I had to do student, student loans to pay for school. Then I had to pay them back. I had a really low paying job. I was living, uh, in Northern Virginia. You don't have a lot of access to extra income to go take these classes mm-hmm. and to go, to go, um, to draw or time. Right. Cause I had to do other things to make money. So you, that is why we are not seeing the diversity that we need to see in our, in our institutions because of, Can't even of systemic things like that. Yeah. So like, it's like capitalism is so insidious because it's just like, it's more than just like, Oh, the stock market is a, is a casino that's being kind of manipulated. It's way more than that. It's all these little things that add up at the end of the day that equal somebody not even having an extra hundred bucks to go spend on a workshop to do improv, you know, or that. the, or the emotional bandwidth because you're so stressed out. I was driving like four hours a day to work. Cause I had to live so far out from my work because it's so expensive. Right. Well, two hours, one way, two hours, Still, like, four hours a day. That's it's, that's- it's in it, at the end of the day, last thing you want to do is like, be like, I'm going to go do improv. You yeah. know, it's, mm-hmm. it's exhausting. And like, um, I, I'm very privileged in that, you know, I'm, I am a white woman. So I've, I'm not saying that I've, you know, struggled as much as other people. I recognize my privilege. I recognize, you know, that I, that I was able to get a job out of school. Um, but I think about this in terms of a lot when we're, we're having these conversations. It's like, well, just, you know, why aren't we diversifying? Why aren't we getting different voices? It's just like, oh, but you're not actually addressing the issue. You're not exactly getting down to the issue, which is capitalism. Yeah, right? they're just putting a Band-Aid on it when it's like, yeah. your classes are $300. And then not <sighs> only that, like, your school is located in a place where they have to spend $20 just to get here. It's yes. just like, and for some populations, not accessible. Yes, and for some populations, that's a huge, that's a huge, like, uh, you know, time suck to get there. And then when they get there, like, let's talk about what Old Town looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a bunch of white people who have a lot of expendable income. And if you've got people who don't look like the white stereotype in Old Town by Second City, 
you know, it's, it's like, it's adding more like emotional, like trauma to these folks mm-hmm. who have to, to, to go. And then they step into the class and it's just like, well, why can't you relax and just have fun? It's just like, I just wrote an hour bus I? to get here. Yeah. Right? And then they're like, yeah. don't worry. Okay. We'll have a workshop on a Monday at 2 PM. And it's like, yeah. I have to be at work. Yeah. Right. yeah. I will say, I think that's like another interesting thing. I mean, I think all of us have all, yeah, all of us have done like some kind of audition. It's like I say, that's like in the middle of the day. And mm-hmm. I, I think, I think that the thing about capitalism too, that's interesting is just like, within the arts you 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 there's a huge gap where like the majority of people who do art don't get paid for it in any kind of capacity like i remember the first time i did a stand-up show that paid me 20 bucks i was like <gasps> whoa i got paid you know what i mean and now i'm at a point where like i'm getting paid for my art in a pretty you know regular way which is nice feels i'm in such a position of privilege and luck to do so and i'm i'm eternally grateful and i'm i'm for sure not taking it for granted but it is interesting where like in it, the arts are never thought to be like this commodity of yep. of income and so a lot of people have to i mean i think that's the other thing is like it is is a lot of the time at least in chicago white people just tend to be able to advance more and do more not be, not only because of like the systemic like things in place that allow for them to succeed but also just because a lot of them do get some kind of like monetary support from their family or some, like have some kind of wealth prior to joining 100%. so that they're able to cuz when you are when you're like splitting your life attention into some of it going into your art but also making money just to make ends meet you don't have that much time to devote to your craft as much as like someone who has like all day who just gets to wake up when they want to and create when they want to and whatever right and Jeff Bezos if he paid every single one of his 876,000 employees $105,000 bonuses this year he would still have the same amount of money that he had prior to the pandemic in March the last time his income was verified in March right before the pandemic happened he made so much money this year that he could give every single one of those employees $105,000 bonuses and still have the same amount of money that Mm -hmm. is evil that's evil there's no there's no other way around it that's evil yeah, I, I, yeah, nothing to add to that except something yeah. that you said made me think of this thing I read in a book one time, and it was directly relating the the damage that you know the GOP and some of our well and Democrats, like we'll say, like in general, because there are some the two party system is bad. The Democrats are also evil. Democrats are just evil right. in different ways. Yeah. Neoliberal, neoliberalism is bad. Anyway, okay, yes, right, yeah, yeah, no. So I don't want to blame it all on the GOP, but obviously, like. Uh, what's happened is over the years they've they've embraced this like stupid fake trickle down economics theory and it doesn't work and and this person was making the case for or using new york city as a case study of you know it got cleaned up a bunch of years ago but what that resulted in is you you kicked out all the the creatives and so we have a middle class but we also have something called a creative class and that's being completely demolished and damaged by capitalism because of what you're saying steve where it's like I, Pete, personally me, I have to wake up and do a nine to five job. And the way I have to justify it is like, I have to be able to live. I have to be able Mm -hmm. to eat. So I can't, I don't get to create as much. And that's why you see people who do succeed, who are just like, you just got to put the hours in. It's just like, well, that's not exactly how it's not as easy as that. Right. Mm -hmm. Because like after working a nine to five and something else, you don't have the energy or the, the brain space to do that. So we're losing our creative class in because capitalism is 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 like dictating the rules, mm-hmm. Felicia. I'm gonna. I feel like you want to jump. In. I keep no. it kind of I'm like, no. I keep seeing you go. <laughs> Everything you guys are like, I feel like my head's gonna fall off again because I'm like, yes, uh huh. Because I feel like capitalism is eating us up and it's not leaving us anything left to be creative. And like, it's just so frustrating. And if it wasn't for 
not that I'm saying I'm happy for this time of like coronavirus, but it, if it wasn't for this time for me to step back and be out mm. of my asshole of yeah. like doing multiple shows and like constantly working, I wouldn't have seen with these new fresh eyes how I was being taken advantage of and how I was yes. also contributing contributing to this capitalist bullshit. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Felicia, that's such a great point. Like, cause we have, we have really explored like the rules we've all played by and, and like not on purpose, but I think this is part of it because wh- what we're, what you're saying is we're like jumping from audition to show to performance and like coaching for two hours to get that extra 50 bucks. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the, at the cost of like our own energy has, do you feel in the past that playing by those rules have really affected your art and your output? I think it has. Like, I think at least I'm able to be honest with someone if if they ask me, like, well, I need some advice on, like, if I'm working a nine to five, what can I do besides that to, like, uh, work mm. towards being creative? I feel like I'm able to, be, like, be honest with them to be like, well, it's a lot of work that you have to put in. But I feel like I, I'm, I'm glad that I'm at this point now where I can be like – really we're being taken advantage of we should be paying more for if we are doing creative work and also Mm. at our jobs that we're working at a lot of us could have been working home this whole time like (laughs) yeah amazing how that worked (laughs) it's just so frustrating because I feel like it's so much and I feel like just like a big ball of anxiety of like yeah things that I just let go by because I was too worried about working a nine-to-five and like doing all this other stuff I was saying what the government needs to do is it needs to invest in its arts as much yes. as like, so Korea actually fun, fun, fun example again, but Korea, there's been a lot of articles about how Korea invests in its K-pop industry as just like how America invests in its commerce and it's like businesses and stuff like that. Like Koreans, mm-hmm. the Korean government treats and um the, there have been a lot of like economists who've worked in the Korean government who have talked about how you need to foster and have that relationship with the arts because without that, you, your country doesn't go anywhere and there's no level of like there's no mobility that you can go up in and so um the government like gives subsidies gives like like a lot of the the same way that the u.s government because korea is like a capitalist country as same way but america gives like that kind of leeway and that kind of support to the arts and that's why the arts in korea are thriving so much right now that's why and the artists in america need to feel the same way because when you think of artists like almost i guarantee you the majority of people like not artists themselves but if you ask the general public what's an adjective you describe with artists a lot of them would probably say poor (laughs) like the trope of like a poor artist is such a thing that's ingrained into american the american ideal and it is almost like in, in a lot of other countries it's not like that so it's like what is it about like the artist industrial complex in the America that makes like artists feel and actually be poor. I, man, I, I was watching, um, have you guys seen that show on Netflix blown away? It's like some stupid glass. Oh, is it glass blowing blowing competition? (gasps) That's fun. This one guy came on. He was like, Oh, I stepped away for a year because I had to make money. Like I had to get a real job to make money. So I'm kind of rusty. And that like broke my heart because it's like, that's an artist that had to like stop what they were doing and, I think it probably broke my heart because I'm like, oh, sames, like been there, had to mm-hmm. have health insurance. So I had to go get a job and I'm not the only one, but, and then it got me thinking, and I want to pose this question to you guys, is what we are creating when we're in these institutions, is that affected by who you know is going to receive it? Because if you don't have anybody come to your show, your team's going to get cut or you're going to get kicked off the stage. Is that, a, is that anywhere in your brain when you're creating something? If we're thinking about 
how is this going to serve the public or how is this going to serve the institution I'm in? I think it was 100% because I'd be like, I want to make sure this is palatable so people come and see the show instead of like, but this isn't my true voice or something that I really think is funny or I really want to show. So I feel like I did limit myself in showcasing what I thought was funny because I wanted people to receive it when it's like they'll receive it how they do because it's coming from me and it's just my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I used to, or not I used to, sorry. I have the immense privilege of having started comedy at a time where like, I think my voice was going to be immediately celebrated just because like, you know, it was just a more accepting time. So I've always Mm -hmm. been, I've always had the privilege of creating like unapologetically Asian queer art without fear of retribution or whatever but that's also a privilege and I, that's i think that's i think that's a good thing because people who came before me like really walked so that i was allowed to run when i started mm-hmm. and i'm very thankful for those people i don't know who they are i don't know i don't know them by name but like you know a lot of you know like progress is <laughs> yeah. progress is slow and a lot of people came before me to allow me to do that and i think if i had started comedy even five years beforehand i wouldn't have been able to like one of the first like big projects i did for myself was like created a music video and it was like about being asian and queer so and whatnot yeah <laughs> and felicia actually is a villain in it but anyway. i know please don't cancel me those are not my views <laughs> i did write her into being a villain in this music video but i was able to create that and i thought i think that if i tried to create that a few years ago it would have been received a little bit differently you know and so i feel really thankful that my first big project i was able to do for myself was like one where i was allowed to be like without without worrying about what an audience might think of it that's awesome. That's that's so refreshing, Steve, because I don't because I personally know that I have even in auditions or even in shows, man. And I I cringe when I think about that. You know, when you like look at things you've done in the past, and you're like, oof. I'm like, I know that I've like edited myself or I know that I've said something a certain way because I knew, you know, and, and that's not and I didn't always do that because I would be I would not be a good performer if I was doing that. But, you know, there's a moments when I, I think about when I'm like, OK, when we're all back in person. It's just like no more of that bullshit. Right. Like, I'm going to say we're going to take those chances. I'm going to have the confidence of a I always kind of joke about this. I'm going to have the confidence of a mediocre white man performing improv where they just step out and like make a bold choice because what do they have to lose? Right. Women and people of color have have so much to lose because you get like. Oh, there's that girl who does really weird stuff on stage. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? That's And that's partly why I'm kind of segueing. That's partly why I love Susan Messing so much because she is always like going to do the gross thing or do the like the un, un like ladylike thing on stage. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly what we need to be doing more of. It's just mm. like, this is it. Sorry, Felicia, I interrupted you. No, because I was <laughs> thinking like, that's why we need, you don't realize it until you're in a space where you can 100% be you. Like until I started like playing with, um, even with like Matt Damon and I was like, oh, I can just play and be a goat if I want to on stage and I'm not a black goat yeah. just because I'm on stage. <laughs> yeah. So it was like nice to be in that space. And then you start to see like, oh, I'm not going to limit myself. <laughs> be a black, don't be a black goat. Don't, <laughs> don't be, be a, a goat. Don't be a bloat. Be a goat. Don't even be Wait. a woat. Don't be a woat. Don't be a goat. Be a gay goat. Be a goat. Be a gay goat. <laughs> be a goat if Wait. you want. Wait, we need to specify uh, who Matt David is because I don't, I, or do we want to leave it completely a 
bigger is to let people think that you're actually improvising with Matt Damon. <laughs> let's leave it and make people think okay. you're Matt. And I'm teaching. If him you don't know ways. what Matt Damon improv is, <laughs> where have you been? This is this is to the, like the person in a farm town in Nebraska who has never been here. So we gotta you know make sure we're. You're clarifying. right. You're right. Matt Damon. <laughs> Matt Damon improv is magical. Although I never I never played with them, so I don't. I've only opened for them. Oh, they never let you play, man. They never rules. let me play. <laughs> There's ga- that gatekeeping. <laughs> Felicia, come on. Okay, we were trying to change. We we're trying to be better. Listen, I'm a garbage improviser, so actually it, it's probably Do not intention. Say that. It, it, it was intentionally good. <laughs> I'm not trying to I'm not trying to ruin the magic that they've created. <laughs> but I do it was a uh, it is one of my um dreams one day to improvise with Matt Damon. <gasps> yeah. That makes same. me same. Same. <laughs> you get to live it every week, happen. so don't don't appropriate our dreams. Yeah, these are our dreams. We should get your own dreams. <laughs> no, it's such a good show. It really is. Not to not to it not is. to gush too much about it right now, but you know, it is it is a really phenomenal show. It's a phenomenal cast. Allison Reese so is. Um, <sighs> She's a a creator. Yeah. It was just like all women of color coming together and we would invite one white Matt Damon uh, in New York. York. We'd invite one Matt Damon or one Lena Denham to play with us. But the only caveat is they could only say things that we had already said, forcing them to truly listen to women of Mm. color and take a walk in our shoes. And it was so fun to watch like people we like admired so much be stumped or like you would watch them like struggle a little bit and I'm like that's so fun to like give them a new game to play with and also to like teach the audience and them like listen to us because we're funny yeah Katie Katie Klein did um I watched Katie Klein's show and it was so effortless and I was like dang girl that girl's so she's a listener more people need more people it's not hard to do this like you just need to listen and most people just don't know that skill (laughs) that's it Improv is just listening and responding. Ugh. Yeah. I, I was thinking about this in terms of our discussion today where I feel like capitalism sometimes feels a lot like being knowed in a scene and more liberal democracy, socialism, whatever you want to call it, feels a lot more like the listening and responding mm-hmm. that we we teach in improv. And I'm wondering if there's some like things from... I guess AOC, AOC queen, that type of thinking that we can apply to our institutions or push for them to, to apply when we're all back in, in person. Cut, is that, the, is that, cut is, the salaries of the top and yes. invest, that, invest that money in not, yes. not invest that money in your performers of color in your marginalized communities. What a theater should do is like, I, cause I, I remember second state at some point was like, Oh, maybe they can open up a theater in Bronzeville. I want to say is what yeah. they were, like talks of it. Maybe it was a long time ago. I, I don't know. If it was, it was recent. like back when jokes and notes was being open and jokes and notes has closed since then. Yes. Yeah. So it was like around then. And it's like, okay, if you're going to do that, you need to put in the research to know you cannot like second city as it stands currently, or IO as it stands, whatever it will not work in a Bronzeville area. You have to think you have to put in the research to know if you're going to bring arts because I think the arts are so important. The arts are so important, especially arts education, so important. Like it's so important to introduce kids to that because it allows mm-hmm. kids to dream. It allows them to have, you know, like left brain access to, you know, thinking creatively and whatever. You know what I mean? It just it, and it play. opens up and, and play, play and play. Yes. And it allows and a lot of kids of color just like aren't afford that because we Stress like free, unfortunately yeah. co- kids of color have ha- grow up have to grow up really quickly at a young age. Like like, mm. like, you know, you have to like, I, I used to have to like answer phone calls and do like government or not government work, but like, you know, like, like talk to like officials, <laughs> officials. Wait, Steve, like, were you like a CIA agent or something? I was I a CIA. I, uh, why are you saying past tense? <laughs> <laughs> 
Redacted, redacted, redacted. <laughs> Imagine me as a CIA agent. I'd be like, put your put your hands up, and they'd be like, no. I'm like, I'm like, okay, sorry, I don't want to fight. <laughs> I came to love not to fight. You know what I mean? Like I just have to do like like the clerical work that an adult does as a kid because of like language barriers and whatever, right? I don't know. It's just it's just crazy because kids should be allowed to have that like the, those access to arts and resources, and that's why like it just starts on the ground up where you need more representation, you need more access to it, you need to open up, you know, people's minds because a lot of times like like the ability to dream is like really a privilege that almost exclusively oh, like white people yeah. get. Oh, and, that's so true. Yeah, and like that that privilege of being allowed to dream is such a like it's something that's not afforded to kids of color mm-hmm. a lot of the time mm-hmm. or dream without restrictions and dream you know just dream freely and dream out loud and I, and so for that reason I think like a theater like Second City should be opening in Bronzeville or should open up in Chinatown or should open up in like the south side it should there should be like some there should be more theaters and, and spaces for art south of 61st and College Grove there just needs to be these access points points of access there just needs to be that open and I think capitalism needs to take from the top and invest in creating these spaces because that's their their due diligence they also need to do better at advertising and creating content that's meant for like marginalized groups not just you know race but sexuality and gender and whatnot you know what I mean there just needs to be yeah. more investment in that kind of stuff because these people are want- yeah oh sorry wait, wait, wait. Oh, I was just saying they want to take the easy route. They want to take the easy route and they don't want to potentially lose money. But like that's part of the business. You have to lose money to be able to gain money. And I think it's worth investing in in communities of color. Yeah, I I love that. Um, Felicia, do you have anything that you would kind of pull from the anti-capitalist machine to make it a part of our comedy institutions? Mm. Kind of putting you on the spot there. And that's hard. I think it's just, I think, Steve had it so good is investing yeah. and yeah. I can't think of anything because I think that's just like the biggest issue that's I think is in front of us so I can't like think past that right now but I, yeah. it is just investing investing in help and like getting the correct people into positions of power and like in reaching out truly reaching out and providing opportunities not Monday through Friday between nine to five when people are working, like giving real opportunities. It's about having a class for an adult, but making sure there's daycare available for the kids so Mm -hmm. that they can bring their kids. It's like all that type of stuff that you just got to think about this. You think, I mean, we teach him, we teach improv like this. Don't think A to B, Mm -hmm. think A to L, A to M, A to Z. And and our institutions just don't do that. They just stop after B. Yeah. Yeah, They're like, oh, we, well, we offered a class to on the South side. Doesn't that work? It's like, no, 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 no. No, let's think about like the, 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 the things that are holding these people back. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, uh, inve- I think investing is the, is the key word here. And I was thinking so a lot, bad. but by what like Ben and Jerry's does. And part of me thinks that our institutions need to be better accomplices for some of these big causes and, mm-hmm. and use their standing in the community to push for better change in globally. So mm-hmm. if it's, if it's the teachers union, you know, struggling right now with whatever, you know, our institutions need to be right there by their sides and being mm-hmm. like, yes, let's like it be, because I always come back to this thought. If things are good enough for the, our, our lowest, the lowest people in our society, the most marginalized, they're not taken care of. If they're, if they're taken care of, then us at the top and in the middle, we can be sure that we're taken care of. Mm-hmm. So why are we not like using our strength in this community to take care of those who don't have that type of fear standing? of loss, 
fear of loss. It comes back to the capitalist thing, right? It's fear Fear, of loss. It's fear. It's, it's, it's this idea that like success and money and whatever, like non-renewable resources, they treat Mm -hmm. them like there's a Mm -hmm. finite supply of it. And that, and, and this is the same for people who like, and I'm guilty of this. So like, I'm really speaking for myself right now, but like, if you ever have experienced professional jealousy or any form of like envy or, why you know like i didn't get this what or what would my life be like if i did get this right um there's like a lot of that kind of talk this like looking at the negative space in your life rather than looking at the positive space in your life Mm -hmm. and when that happens what you're doing is you're treating success like a non-renewable resource you're treating success not like rising tides but rather and i don't think everyone needs to view the world like rising tides because i don't think that's like inherently true for people so i'm not one of those people that like is like you have to be rising tides i personally am trying to prescribe to that mentality because i think it's healthy for me but if it's not for you i'm not going to force it onto you but i will say success is uh, is totally a renewable resource it's totally something that's not finite it's there's an infinite amount of it in the world opportunities mm-hmm. are only non-renewable and finite because you allow institutions to make it so so Boom. so in that way treat it like a renewable resource and don't don't be afraid to lose a little bit in the hopes that you're helping someone gain a lot and then that they will one day help you gain a lot you know what i mean it's all about investing it's all about not getting that immediate gratification but our dopamine centers are changing whatever okay that's science but you know we're our our brain structures (laughs) are changing in such a way where we need to yeah we need to get that like immediate gratification and we need we people fear when the results don't come in immediately that they did something wrong and it's like it's about again like we've been saying over and over it's investing you have to invest in communities you have to invest in black and brown populations you have to invest in trans people you have to invest in these things mm-hmm. for them to allow to grow and flourish flourish the same way that chad and davis in your level b class that just you know called you the f word are allowed to flourish as well you know i mean you have mm-hmm. to be able to invest in them in that way and there's just that and it's it's not it's a learned behavior to do that so that's the other thing is that people are like well these rich people need to like change immediately they're not going to change overnight i'm not, I mean, i'm not trying to give them any kind of empathy but you have to teach it to them because they need to unlearn. There's a lot of unlearning that needs to happen right now. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think we're all in this, this stage too is unlearning, unlearning about capitalism. We're unlearning about the binary structure we've all been taught under uh, and raised in, which I think is a whole other podcast. We can talk about, you know, good versus evil, success versus failure. Mm. It's like, there's not just two choices in any, like... It's all, like, tied in with capitalism. Yeah, 100%. If these institutions make you feel like it is, then you think it is. Yeah. Yeah, you can't be like these heads of these institutions who are trying to claim that they're whatever, when in reality they're maybe socially conservative fiscally liberal but mm-hmm. <laughs> we're looking for socially liberal fiscally liberal we're we're looking leaders, for leaders you yeah when you were saying investing 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 we're looking for you to to show again it comes back to show don't tell us don't tell us the mission statement of xyz institution is to do xyz show us show us and then don't brag about it. We don't need a PR. We don't need a press release. Just do it. Just quiet. I love what you said, Ashley, too. It's like if they were to stand up and be like, we are standing with this union, you know how powerful that would be. And mm. it's just like, mm-hmm. it, it makes me sad that we're not at that place. But like, yeah, it does give me hope that like at one day we can all stand together and be like, hey, this is wrong. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. a question. There's no black and white. It's just like it, the way that everybody sort of went. Oh, Yeah. George Floyd was murdered. Yep. Okay. I see now. It's just like, maybe we can all get to that point a lot sooner than having this argument back and forth about, about different things. Like, Mm -hmm. no, there's no nuance when someone's 
shooting an unarmed black man. That's mm-hmm. murder, which is sort of the impetus for this podcast anyway. So, uh, okay. Well, I feel like I could talk about this forever and we could, we could unwind so much because there's so much to be pulled at with, with how our institutions are acting. So we'll definitely revisit it later down the road. Steve, you going to say something? You look like you're No, gonna... sorry. I was just... Oh, you look like you're about to croon. <laughs> Put your head on my shoulder. There we go. This is a nice little uh, segue. Keep singing for our next segment. Well, I had you. <laughs> I treated right. you bad. <laughs> it's time for our shit jar segment. which is uh, our gossip or sort of justice coping mechanism part of the show. We're going to share a story about something funny or bad that's happened to us. And then we're going to like figure out how to deal with it and fix it and feel better about it. Steve, Felicia, do you have any shit jar things that happened to you? Um, I, I can, I, I have one that's like a small realization. That's not a Ooh. story, but maybe it's one that we can just dissect. <laughs> Let's yeah, yeah. It. We can put it in the shit jar. So yeah, let's, let's do it. In the shit jar. Yeah. So, so uh, I got put on the Herald team right before the pandemic happened. Congratulations. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, and this mothership who we were nominated for best Herald team. I love them very much. I love mothership. I love mothership. Um, I love them. I really do. They're great people. They're all great people. Really. And they're, they were really welcoming to me and I, I love them for it. My writing partner, shout out to Henrik. If you're listening, he's busy. Aww. I don't know if he'll listen to this, but <laughs> Henrik, if you're listening, you listening. I, I love Henrik. He's like a, a, a much older brother. He's not that much older than me, but you know, he's family now. But mothership, when I joined, I did not realize that I I did not realize that I had to pay to be on the Herald team. Like I did not realize that I had to pay someone five dollars for every rehearsal, pay a coach, which we should pay coaches. Like I, I'm not going to argue with that. How did we not talk about we this should, part until just institute. now? We should. We should pay the coach. We should, but the institution should pay the coach and not the mm-hmm. players who are doing free shows for you two times a week or whatever. And I, when I found out that like they were like, "Hey, so can you Venmo five dollars?" and I I didn't even go to the rehearsal actually, so. I like didn't I wasn't at the because re- I was teaching that night so I like couldn't go to the rehearsal so I sent five dollars for a rehearsal I wasn't at and I was just like mm-hmm. if one plus one is two and two plus two is four then what the hell is this mm-hmm. wait Steve you you pay for the coach you forgot to mention you also pay for rehearsal space if were you guys not paying for rehearsal space too if you can get a rehearsal space at IO it's free oh but but but, but if barely, that's a big if yeah 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 yeah, yeah. We, I mean I think we I think the rehearsal was at someone's house because it was a they have a big living room <sighs> but we were i mean listen this is the thing it's like mothership yeah. is like a three-year veteran team like a very good mm-hmm. team that like mm-hmm. has had some really like well-known improvisers in the community like you know and mm-hmm. i don't know why i was in it because i was by far the worst improviser of the group you are a liar i will not let you lie like that i, I listen if anyone <laughs> in the audience has ever seen me improvise it's it's rough but <laughs> it's but i am good at teaching it so i'm good at, I, I know my mistakes and i'm good at telling people not to do them <laughs> you're but, like a dad you're like a proud yeah, papa exactly, exactly. <laughs> but yeah i was like why am i paying for this Steve, I think this is, uh, th- yeah, Steve and Felicia, with your permission, I believe this is going to be a threesome entry into the shit jar, which is just paying for your coach and paying for your rehearsal space and then dedicating two hours for practice a week and then showing up for a rehearsal. You're probably, you know, our first show, we'll, we'll estimate two hours, four hours of your week that you are paying somebody else 
and then not making the profit on the audience that comes to see you play. Discuss amongst yourselves. <laughs> I will say this. I will say this. I think that the coached ensemble uh, system at Second City is actually pretty good because it pays coaches for like the work that they're doing and you get paid for every show that you do and then you get paid a little bit more for how, for a night that you host. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really good system. The unfortunate aspect of it, not unfortunate, but this is just me being an asshole, but it's not great improv. <laughs> it's like, sure. it's, yeah. I mean, it's training for improv. So it's like, yeah. it's new, it's new people. But listen, Ashley was my coach and like, Ashley saw me like grow during that. I think did I grow. I don't know. But you know, I like, <laughs> Ashley saw me. Oh, I was on mute. Sorry. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, I'm a, dir- I like learned how to improvise on it for an audience from coach ensembles. Truly. Ashley was my yeah, second I, coach I ever had. Like I had, I had done four shows before Ashley was my coach. Like, like I get it. You know what I mean? Like I get why it's exciting. I get it's super helpful. As a baby improviser. The unfortunate Aww. thing, again, just from like, uh, if you're an audience member who hasn't been to an improv show before, it's not the best improv. Whereas with Harold shows, like generally speaking, it's good improv. Like if it's like a newer team, like, you know, they're still working at the Kings and whatever, but the scenes themselves are good. Just the structure maybe is needs a little bit of work. But like, if you go to like a late 90s show or a mothership show or whatever. It's some of like it's like some of the best improv, right? Little Tooties, you know, all the all these I mean, yeah. uh, Duchess when Jules part of it, like all these great teams, right? It's some of the best improv that you'll see, but it's just like at what cost, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm. I don't know. It's just it is, God. It's just I mean, but I also I will say that. the person that ran IO is not necessarily a business person, so like I don't know <laughs> no. if the the smartest finances what? were put into that theater, <laughs> but. Yeah. What's the fix to this though? That's, that's my question. And I, I know, so yeah, I, I think second city had a pretty cool structure with the coach ensembles and having that built in audience base because they're all newer improvisers. So they haven't tapped their community out on their shows yet. Um, and it was, it's so helpful to be able to perform as a newbie in front of people mm-hmm. and to, to, to just be brave enough to get on the stage and just try. Like for me, that's what coach ensembles was, is watching somebody who was so afraid to step out and just even ask for a suggestion, then by the end, you know, be crushing it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what the fix is. Well, for, the fix is for the same. It's like investing. It is it's investing, the institution yes. paying for the space and paying for the coaches, especially if you expect them to take time out to come to a rehearsal and then go and do a show. Mm-hmm. It's like, you should be investing in your company because people are also paying to come and see those shows. So yeah. like, investing, investing. Yeah, I mean, how much were tickets to like a IO show? It's like twelve bucks. I don't. Bucks? I thought remember. they were five. Or even Second like City, it's eight. like yeah, probably like five to like twelve. I can't complete remember. profit at that point because you've got volunteers on stage. Volunteer. Well, I think the MDs get paid, right? I think they MDs get paid. MDs get paid. Stage or managers get paid. paid. Um, yeah, I think this is the way to fix it. Is that one? There needs to be like a cultural shift uh, away from like uh, audience members not thinking that they can get away with like not paying okay. enough for shows. Like there needs mm-hmm. to be like people think that improv shouldn't be that expensive to go watch because you're paying to watch people make stuff up. But like you have to understand that it's like good making stuff up. Like you could not do that. So like sit down, this thing. So there needs to be a, a cultural shift there. And then there just needs to be there needs to be maybe more government subsidies to be able to fund theaters when they're first starting up to be able to mm-hmm. allow them to survive longer. Um you need to make tickets again more expensive because of that. You need to pay your performers so that there's more incentive for them to try to bring in audience members so that they can they don't lose a job. There just is a lot of like it's just it's it's just like business 101. And I don't have an MBA, but I know like whatever system that they were using was not the way to operate a business. You need to make it an equity theater so that people get paid. I mean, improv 
I don't know if improv should be equity because everyone's doing improv, but you know, <laughs> no one be able to perform. <laughs> yeah, like whatever. But but you know, the, the way that equity theaters per, um, operate works. Steppenwolf works for a reason. So whatever that system looks like for improv, which I know that they're tr- they try to do, but there just needs to be less profit at the beginning for a theater again because they're investing in themselves, and there needs to be more money for performers so that there's more incentive mm-hmm. for them to bring in people and you know whatever. It's just it's it's how consumers. It's basic mercantile market. It's basic 1600s bartering system. Like, come on, get your head out of your ass. I think you're, you think you're saying you're like getting to something where it's, how are we valuing art? And we're saying that Steppenwolf is worth more than an IO show. Is that true? I don't know. But um, as someone that's performed at both spaces, I'm going to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like at the end of the day, it's like, did Jackson Pollock just splat splatter paint on a canvas? Is that any, is that worth any less than like Van Gogh who like made actual things in his art? It, it's a different type of value, but they're still valuable. And I think it kind of starts with us too is, it's not just come to my dumb improv show. It's just come to my improv show. I put time, I put money, I put effort. I put like, I, I, I'm a, I love this art form. This is what I do. This is my art form. Just the same way that your art form is like playing softball on Saturdays with friends. I don't know. Um, so maybe it's, it starts with us too. It's just like, we need to, to really be boosting the value of improv and comedy and sketch show is more than we put just in front of our art form a lot. It's just a sketch show. Mm-hmm. It's just an improv show. It's like, it's important. It's important. Yeah. It's a, it's obviously important to us because we spend so much time doing it, thinking about it, talking about it, dreaming about it, agonizing over dreaming. it. Dreaming. You know? Dream. You've never had the an dream. dream? No. The dream. Yeah, yeah. The the classic, the dream. God, uh, you, it's very meta. You get up in your dream as the dreamer and then you are all the improvisers. <laughs> that sounds like a no, nightmare. No, 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 Oh, man, man. Hopefully uh, the dream is something that dies out <laughs> um any other thoughts on our shit jar entry about pay to play i think pay to play fills up the shit jar fills it up oh <laughs> man i should we should get another shit jar <laughs> filled it right up kind of <laughs> throw it out back <laughs> go ahead steve no i was saying we can move on to the next segment because we are oh yeah steve's, steve's is, ready to move going, on to the next are, segment we are going you are going a little over we are we are approaching our our time limit here yeah and i paid for my rehearsal space so i want to make sure we get out i don't want to be charged for another hour all right cool well we gotta wrap this up let's do our improv edit So we're going to call something out that we talked about today and we're going to sweep out at the problem. We're going to tag it out, call lights on it, maybe burn down the theater if it's from Steve. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> who's got who's got an improv edit they want to want to do? I'm going to uh, I'm going to pull lights on getting paid in exposure. Mm. Getting paid in exposure. Yes. Because yeah. exposure won't pay my landlord. It won't pay my phone bill. Yeah. Yes, that is so, yep, snap, 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 yep. I've never tried to pay an exposure. (laughs) I did, and the bank turned me down. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote 300 exposures, put it into my account, and they just asked me. (laughs) They were like, ma'am, this is a Wendy's. (laughs) And I said, well, give me the four for four. (laughs) (laughs) Frosties, flies, yes, please. Um, I think I'm going to heighten the power 
that our institutions have to do better and to do good. So taking the power they have now and just they need to iterate and heighten and and then get out of the scene, you know, because you don't want to go on too long. What I'm talking about is uh, using your power for good and and to reach back and help the people who who need it most because we're all better off that way. There's it's so stupid this us first them type of mentality. Mm. All right. Uh yeah, we got to wrap this up. Hey, thanks for joining us. Be sure to email if you've got a, a shit jar entry. We want to hear it. Comedy has an ouchie at gmail.com. Yeah, we would love to 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 read something that has may, maybe happened to you or somebody you know and then just pontificate about it. That's a cool word. That's I a like you that. Chicago word. Yeah. That's for Steve. That's a Thank Steve you. word. I finally understand this podcast. I was like, what, what have you guys been saying this entire time? <laughs> you of Chicago. <laughs> um, Steve, what are you, what are you going to do right after we uh, wrap this up? I have um, to tutor someone right now. So I do have to. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. Have to okay. Well, yes. Yes. I have to go soon, but um, that's what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to uh, do my self tape. Nice. nice. Break legs. I hope Thank you get you. this role. Me too. Yeah, Felicia Keys, what are you going to do? Mm, I haven't talked to a friend in a long time, so we're going to watch a Tyler Perry movie. Ooh, which one? drink wine. We haven't decided yet. Whichever's <sighs> free because no. Don't pay, don't pay for Tyler Perry. No. <laughs> uh, if not, we'll just watch Fall from Grace and fall <gasps> off some chairs. Yeah, That is going to be amazing. That is the perfect way to spend this, you know, blizzard day that we're at. Truly. What are you gonna do, Ashley? Uh, what am I gonna do? I think I'm gonna go practice my piano. Um, I I know I um, I took lessons as a kid, stopped for about 25 years, and then this pandemic, I was like, I'm gonna pick it back up. So I'm gonna go practice nice. my scales. Gotta practice my scales. All right. Well, we are busy, and we are gonna go. And we at Comedy has an ouchie. Want to remind you to be a decent human being and fuck capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Ooh, middle fingers. All right. Beep. This is an area code podcast.